Welcome back. Welcome in. This is Country Roads Confidential at Earsports.com. I am Mike Casaza. I'll be transferring to South Carolina for a wedding this evening. Gone for the rest of the week. Had to fit in a Q&A because, Chris, um, there's one or two, just, just one or two things to talk about right now. Yeah. So, <laughs> one or two. I, I, Why does this always happen? I feel like every time we're like, all right, things are dying down. You know, spring football is what it is. Basketball's over. Uh, evaluations for recruiting can't really happen. So, you know, everything's going to calm down just a little bit. And then boom, 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 boom. Uh, transfer, transfer in, transfer out. Uh, NBA draft, NBA draft, transfer out. Just, just chaos uh, all the time. And, yeah, you're right. I think it. Uh, we hadn't really discussed doing a mailbag until – Monday and we're like yeah I think I think we have to do it I don't think we can skip a week we, we certainly not this week we need to get into a schedule where we do two of these a week whether it's like this <laughs> or a guest or whatever but since we last spoke because we didn't do two of these last week I would say two of the more high profile basketball transfers in a while not because Jordan McCabe and Emmett Matthews are excellent irreplaceable players but they are prominent on and off the floor gone transfer um one of the most significant football transfers in quite some time in Tyke Smith, which was a prominent player, slightly less surprising than McCabe and Matthews. And Taz Sherman and Sean McNeil enter the draft. I have to think that Culver and or McBride will follow suit, perhaps by the time we press publish on this, who knows the way we go. And, Again, surprise, not surprise, lost, not lost, but certainly a, one of the more prominent recruits in some time on the football side, David Vincent Ocoli, no longer on the team. We had a very confusing situation with Landon Bartleson yesterday where this is quite a story. I don't know if I want to get into all of it. But anyway, we can't because I'm sure we will, but was on the team, isn't on the team. I don't think he really counts or matters, but it's been sort of dizzying, so it's probably a good chance to sit down. And then I'm looking this morning – um, at our board, and we've talked about basketball transfer targets. Cutis Wahab, who is a darn near seven-footer, blocks one and a half, two shots a game, and lets you know he's there before you play the game. Um, he's one of those, like, stands out on film guys. He's interested in West Virginia, and th- there's a whole lot of blanks you can fill in if all of a sudden West Virginia's looking for a back-to-the-basket, under-the-rim guy who can block shots. What does that mean for the guys who stand under the rim now? I'm not even sure that's a, a guy or the type of guy that you thought West Virginia would pursue, which maybe makes you talk about what's this offense going to do in the 21-22 season. Um, so, yeah, this is a good time to do this. Do, do we have three hours for this podcast? Is that what you're telling me here? Is this what's about to happen? It, we're not doing three hours, but we certainly have <laughs> three hours, I think. Yeah, I... Uh... As I say, we got mailbag, and, and the mailbag covers a, a lot of these things. So we'll, we'll try to incorporate the questions before we just start going on about a, a certain topic. Um, but you're right. This is this happened almost immediately after we hung up last week. Last week we discussed. A, I guess we'll touch on the basketball transfer thing first, but we discussed that with the NCAA or the the NBA NCAA rule change, where guys can enter their draft and pull out as many times as they want without getting stuck in there, like they used to. I, we said it'd be silly for any D one starter, good D one starter, not to put their name in there just to get some feedback, just to get feedback. Two hours later, Sean McNeil's in the in quote in the NBA draft process. Didn't see that coming, by the way. You didn't. We talked about it. I, I just I don't know. I, that's not a guy I had in my list. I thought I thought he was such a sure thing to be back next year and to benefit. I mean he he's not even a second year a second senior year guy. He's only a junior. Right. Um, and I just didn't put him on my on my radar for a guy who may have NBA talent. But then you start to wonder like if if he was like Alex Ruoff size, like six six, how much like how much like Duncan Robinson, Tyler Harrow do you have there? They're better players, superior shooters, but that doesn't mean that he's not looking for that feedback where he can he can check back in and show them how many fish he's caught this time next year, so to speak. Like they tell him, hey, go out and do this, and he comes back and he says, hey, I'm here. And they go, oh, yeah, job well done. We'll take you in the second round. So now that does make sense to me. I hadn't thought that way, which means that 
people are uh, people as as bright or as dull as me are still coming to grips with this. <laughs> I mean, I in my mind when we were talking that last week, I was imagining at least four guys from this team would put their name in the NBA draft eventually, and that was well at least three. And McNeil was a borderline for me, but I th- I thought he was on there. Was McNeil, Sherman, Culver, McBride? Um, you know, I'm not expecting like Gabe to put his name in there. I mean, maybe I guess, but I think his his prospects are almost certainly overseas after college, but I'm assuming he's coming back at this point. Um, and Jalen Bridges, who, who's been in that starter, starter slash rotation slash starter again, uh, too young for him to be doing that. I know guys leave after one year, but I just don't think that's something he's going to waste his time with at this time. So um, any of those four, those other four that I mentioned, none of them would have surprised me. And, and again, you said just a couple minutes ago, kind of, waiting maybe expecting mcbride and culver to make similar announcements at any time yep and the thing to remember here i think the dates just came out yesterday i know i saw something yeah. that i don't have it in front of me but like there's there's two things that you can get an agent so don't worry about that if someone has an agent you can get an agent as long as he's approved by the nba um, you can get an agent and still come back so don't be scared if you see for example mcbride go in and get an agent um but it's a long time. Um, what are the dates, Chris? But May, May 30th is when they have to make a decision to enter. Like the, That's two months from today. They, they have until they have to decide whether they want to put their name in or not. And then they don't have to withdraw until July 29th. That's four, month, four months from now. I mean, they're, they're, by that point, the team's already back and, and prepping for next season, like in college. How many transactions have occurred? Guys who signed or transferred or... You <laughs> yeah. Know. That's what that's what's hard, and that's what that's what drives Huggins crazy. And other coaches like him too is that, um, you know, let's say that there's three of the three of the ten players, three of the eleven players. I'm sorry. Let's say the three of the eleven players are in the portal, or not in the portal, are in the the pool. Uh, McBride, McNeil, and Sherman. Let's just say that, um, and they all three come back. Great. You don't know that until July, right? How right. many replacements for a Culver, a McNeil, or a Sherman, or excuse me, a Culver, a McBride, or a Sherman? are gone if one of those three says, I got good feedback. I'm comfortable being a late first round, early second round pick. Um, I'm going to stay in the draft. How do you replace that? I mean, listen, you, you may have it on the roster, may not. I mean, you could argue that there isn't a replacement for any one of those three on the roster right now. Less so Sherman, more Colburn McBride. And it's hard to fill that. So if you lose a significant player and he doesn't make up his mind until June, July, you're, you're in a diminished state trying to replace that and that's where Huggins gets a little bristly about player rights and again when when one person does this thing and it infringes upon the players that he leaves behind or he comes back to join that's where he gets a little bit upset and it's hard to blame him yeah um yeah it is hard to blame him I, I it it's a tough situation for everybody involved I think you have to you're going to be putting a lot of faith, a lot of trust into your relationships with these players and what they're telling you and hoping that, you know, they're not telling you one thing, doing another or hearing another from someone else that, that might be misleading them. And unfortunately in the world of college basketball, whether it's recruiting from high school to college or college to the pros, there are a lot of people involved who do not have the player's best intentions at heart. And we've seen that. And that that's something you always have to keep in mind. So it, it's not an enviable situation to be in. Let's do um two things really quick, and then we get into the questions, because a lot of stuff that we can talk about with, with, in particular, football, we can cover in the questions. But any surprise by Matthews and McCabe? I'm, I'm hard no on that. In fact, I kind of wrote that those two had a decision to make if they hadn't already made their decision. That was the day after the game. Um, you kind of heard that that was probably going to happen for one, if not both. Not sure it's a package deal to go out, never mind to land the next place, but still two players who stuck it out. Uh, we're going to graduate in May and just we're not going to have a better situation than they had this year, which I don't think either one of them liked their situation this year. Uh, no, again, when we, when we were talking last week, a couple hours before the McCabe news came out, I, I said, you know, hey, what, how long did it take Brandon Apper to get in the portal with the end of the last season? It was less than 48 hours. And I said, anybody that, that does that, had this in their mind and it was their mind was already made up. And the person I had in my mind when I was saying that was McCabe. And that's not anything on McCabe. I just think he is a basketball kind of lifer guy. 
he wants to be somebody that that um, you know can start, can play, can showcase his skills, and and there's no shame in that. And it and it was becoming pretty obvious. And he admitted as much in that interview with you. Uh, by the way, <laughs> man, um, were you uh, as as you know mature as as McCabe at 21? Because I sure as heck wasn't. I mean, that was a very introspective look at his life, his situation, how to handle it. it, it, it I, I mean, I'll, I already had a ton of respect for him, and now I have even more after that talk. Not only that, but, like, he's he's answered every call from what I understand. Um, yeah. We played phone tag. Um, like, he was one time, hey, call me at two, did. I'm meeting with my family. You said six, and I was like, yeah. He was, all right, let's do it after six. And then I was behind the ball, and I touched him at seven. It's not because we're cool. We haven't seen each other for a year, right? So it's not like mm-hmm. we're great friends, but like we've known each other for a little bit. Um, and and I, he was willing to do that because I think he had some things that he wanted to say, and he did. And again, like the stuff that was striking to me was that, well, one, he thought about transferring last year and floated the idea. It sounds like he went to Huggins and said, I'm not sure this is for me. And But he also said, I told you I was going to be here until I graduate, so I'm going to come back and do it. He did, and he knew what he was getting into this year. Um, imagine that, like running into – you know, you know, like the old cartoons where you're on the conveyor belt and the saw yeah. spinning, like the evil music is playing. Imagine like signing up for that. Like, right. you know, what's coming. And he did. So he did it. He did his three years. He's got his degree. I I, I don't know if he'll be back here as a GA because I think he can probably get a master's where he's going next because he has two years if he wants to. But I would not be surprised if if something happens where he's somehow involved here in the future, because I think he's got a pretty strong relationship. with Huggins, um, I have heard that they have been at basketball extremely impressed with his ambassadorship and the things he said to the people he's talked to so far about it's, it was a mutual thing and it wasn't ugly. It wasn't um, spiteful or anything like that animosity. But the best part about McCabe is that he's like, I signed up for this. I could have gone somewhere else and played like I did in high school, but I wanted to grow and I wanted to learn. I wanted to play at a place like West Virginia for a coach like Huggins. And I knew the odds were stacked against me. And if you can find another unathletic guard who's below six feet tall <laughs> who's starting and playing big minutes in the big 12 or somewhere like that find one because you can't and i think he goes out knowing that he did what he could he did what people didn't think he could but he also goes out knowing that it was not going to continue for him and funny thing is i don't i don't know if there's a replacement on the roster for him are we are we saying kobe johnson or seth wilson is going to do it are we, are we sure kedrian johnson is going to do it i'm also not sure mccabe's contributions are irreplaceable but um, he could have come back for another year, two more years of this if he wanted to, but I think he leaves with just enough accomplishments and, and satisfaction that, I mean, I'm almost twice as old as him, and I couldn't believe the things he was saying, but I absolutely believe the things he was saying. Yeah, and and I think, you know, he's got enough. It, was it some kind of star-studded, you know, career, high, full highlight tape and stuff like that? Probably not, but... He had moments there where you could see the potential, and I think I think other college coaches are going to see that, and I think that's why uh, many colleges have already reached out to him, and and that's why he's going to find a nice landing spot, and I'm assuming finish out his career with a couple nice seasons as a starter somewhere. So um, that's that's what ha- that's what happens when you have you know your head on straight and, and you're ready to handle all these situations. Matthew's not a surprise to me, and. I could have said it if I was a jerk, but when I watched him walk off the floor, head in his hands, red eyes, um, players consoling him, I thought that was the end for him in Indianapolis. It looked like a guy who knew um, that he played his last game for West Virginia. Say what you want about him. I don't know. He he was a a steady, if not spectacular, player. His numbers are remarkably consistent across three years. But, again, was – I don't know. Was he going to be better next year? Hard to say yes, but – who was going to take his spot and who was the coach going to put in place of him. I don't know that person's on the roster right now either. I think he could have done this for one or two more years. I'm assuming he has not talked to anybody yet as far as I can tell, but I'm assuming his explanation would be similar to math work to McCabe's. I do think he'll end up at a quote. I'm using air quotes here. Better basketball situation just because he was, because he's bigger. He's more athletic. Um, he's not sub six foot non athletic. He's six, seven and athletic, probably closer to six, eight, six, nine. Um, and I've heard some some things about schools that may like him and they want him out there. I wouldn't be surprised if he ends up in South Florida for some personal reasons, but there are better schools out west where he's from. I've had someone tell me that Gonzaga should not be a surprise to anybody. He's from Tacoma, Washington. Um, so it's exciting for him, too, because that's another guy who, if you look at his career arc, it's not an arc. It's pretty flat. 
Um, it spikes at the end of his freshman year and it stays easy, but he's got a chance to find maybe a better situation for him, at least for his satisfaction. And again, when a guy graduates in three years and does what he came to do, um, apart from banners and trophies, it's it's really hard to begrudge that person. Viva la Spanish Emmett Matthews. That's all I'll say. That that I, you talk about spiking at the end of the freshman year. I talk about spiking in in Madrid. That that's when he spiked and. You know, again, just like with McCabe, I think you're going to see some schools that see the potential there and see where he can be a valuable contributor on their team, and 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 he'll find a, a nice landing spot as well. Um, you mentioned telltale signs, and and a lot of this stuff is, you know, th- what I'm about to say is, is 2020 hindsight, 2020, and all that. But um, someone sent me a video of the day of selection Sunday. West Virginia basketball. Did you see that video of, of the guys at the practice facility? They're watching on the big screen. It's they're, interesting. You know, it's interesting. And there's <clears throat> the entire team in there, and everyone's got their phones out, recording it, cheering, going nuts. Three seed, heck yeah, let's go. And it pans around the room, and there's two players that do not have their phone out that are not recording it and are just sitting at a table and kind of clapping, and that's it. And those two players were McCabe and Matthews. And I don't know, you, you know, you talk about how you, you see him walking off uh, red-eyed and, and players consoling him, and you're like, uh-oh, that, that could be it. Yeah, I didn't think anything of it when I see it, but now you look back hindsight, you're like, oh, man, like, there were – is was that a clue? Like, everybody else was excited about about the, that, that draw and that program and the recording it. It's a big moment in their life. And, and Matthews and McCabe, who had never been in the NCAA tournament – we're, we're not part of that. Um, again, I don't know what that means, but it was something that someone had sent me and caught my attention um, and, and didn't really think about it until afterwards. I watched this team, those two in particular, for three years um, pretty closely because they had just some, some rotten chemistry. And you can, you can watch things on the floor and imagine what they're like off the floor. And this year in particular, because I wasn't in person with them, I never got to you know, bend their ear to the side and never got to see them play a game before the end of the season. Um, so watching those games, I'm just way too analytical and, and things. And, and who's in the huddle talking and who's leaning back and not paying attention. Who's giving each other five on the, on the free throw line and who's not getting five of the free throw line. Who is this? Who, what happens here? There was a lot of stuff that made me concerned about those two. I, I can get into it and things I saw, but when I saw those games in person at the end of the season, and then the Indianapolis, I was, I was pretty concerned that I'm concerned. I don't care. I was convinced that they were probably both going. You could just tell they weren't quite into it. I will say this, though. McCabe was glued to the games uh, in Indianapolis. He was coaching on the sideline. He was uh, high hips when players came to the, the bench for a timeout, um, excited, celebrating, things like that. Matthews is just more low-key. That's not really his thing. He's kind of like the steady guy on the team, and he'll talk to players when things are unraveling and try to get them to cool them down. But I was struck by his, his walking off the floor. That's, that's unlike him when I saw that he was really emotional about it. I kind of figured that. That was probably it, too, and, and um, they say it a million times, use your eyes, and they, they oftentimes tell you the story. Um, my last anecdote I'll get into when we actually get into the, the practice football because it's a good one here about how crazy things were with um, a former Notre Dame signee, but again, it's, it's why, you have to, why you have to see things and you have to be there in person, but uh, I feel like we've, we've tiptoed long enough. We should probably kick in the door into this mailbag, right? Yeah, what are we, 20-some 20, 20 minutes into this mailbag, mailbag podcast and haven't answered one question yet? Yeah. Um, Again, there was a lot to talk about. So anyways, everybody's questions from the subscribers are in the bag right now. We'll pull out many, if not most, talk about what we can. And then what we don't get to, Chris will clean up in a written version of the mailbag and take it away. Let's stick with basketball since we're already here. Let's stay in, let's stay in that mindset just for, say, two questions, I think. And then we'll, we'll flip over to football because I know a lot of people are curious about football. It's where most of the questions are right now. But we're on basketball. Let's keep it going. This one's from 2146 year. Use your crystal ball. Who's your starting five, and who are the first three players off the bench with the basketball team entering the 2022 NCAA tournament? It's hard. <laughs> it's, it's really hard. Um, I have a hard. I just have a hard time with this. My, I, I tried this, and I, and, and like, man, I'm going with someone who's not on the roster right now to fill maybe a starting spot. Crazy. But give me I, I do think you're gonna see McBride and McNeil back. Bridges, Cottrell, 
And this is where I have a question. Because <laughs> I just don't know about Culver. I don't know. Like, I'm not, I'm not sure about him. That, that's the one person I've not heard great intel on so far about what's he going to do, what's he not going to do. I just don't know. And then your bench, I, I have questions about Sherman coming back. I just do. Um, I could see him. He, he's not given any indication that he's even on the fence. Like, if you ask me, he's sort of leaning toward trying to find reasons to go. Um, and then you're talking, I don't know, like, are you putting Taj Sweet and sending Engine to your top eight? Are you putting Seth Wilson or Kobe Johnson to your top eight? Like, this, I, I almost can't answer this question. Like, I could answer of those 10 spots, three guys who aren't on the roster right now. Never mind, like, on campus. I mean, like, on the roster, which seems crazy. But um, I just, I don't anticipate both Sherman and Culver coming back. So I would have to pencil in someone out in the starting lineup and somebody on the bench who isn't on the team right now. I could see one of them coming back. I would be surprised if at the rate things are going, they're both back. So I'm with you. Um, if you're making me pick off of guys that are on the team and we're assuming everybody's coming back, it's McBride, Sherman, McNeil, Bridges, Culver, starting with Gabe Cottrell and Kobe Johnson off the bench. That's my pick. I'm, I'm going with, with Gabe. Okay. I probably should have mentioned him. Yeah, I, I would. I'm not, I'm not convinced about him either, but that seems like a guy, if, if we've talked about, it's not easy or fun what he does. He would have probably said thanks, but no thanks by now. The fact that he hasn't, um, maybe he's maybe he's quietly looking at some pro prospects, and if they're not there, he could be that guy. That's probably a guy I would anticipate being back. But so that's my eight. If you're asking me to pick, I am I am going with Kobe Johnson over Kedrian Johnson uh, over Seth Wilson, and and Taj Sweets in there too. Um, but realistically, everything you just said a minute ago, that that's the eight, and that's the eight that that we quote unquote know are going to be here, except we don't know they're going to be here. And realistically, history, statistics, whatever, you know, it tells you that one of those people is probably not going to be back. And, and if you lose one of those big men, if it's Culver or if Gabe decides to move on, I think you see Taj Thweet slide in there. Um, we'll see how Seni Injai develops over the course of the year. You know, that was the big knock on him that he needed a year in the weight room. Well, he's going to get it. So let's see what happens after that. But, um, that's that, that off the top of my head, that that's the eight I'm going with. Cause the, the Kobe Johnson thing, I, his length, yeah. I really like, really like, I, th- I just feel like he's more well-rounded than, than a lot of the other guards that are going to be on the roster. Now, Seth Wilson's good. Uh, the comparison that I was given was, was a, a, a truck Bryant type that distributes a little better. Um, which, Again, that depends on your take on Truck Bryant. I think most people should be happy if you got a Truck Bryant type as a recruit. You know, it's a four-year starter that has its positive and negatives, but more positives than negatives, I think. And but but Kobe Johnson, just the the length and the versatility, I think might find his way under the floor a little earlier. Cottrell is not a game one starter. I no. Don't- I don't anticipate seeing him really much before Christmas, but I think in, in an all things considered world, he's probably your starting five. And and it, just to note that the the question was for the NCAA tournament next year, because yeah, sure, if you're talking if yeah. you're talking day one, Cottrell's not going to be ready. I hate to tell you guys, like you you know, I, I maybe he's suited up, maybe he sees a few minutes, but an, an Achilles tear back in ten months, whoo not happening. That's asking a lot. So. I could see, and again, like if they're if they're going into the portal, it's not guys to clap at the end of the bench. It's guys to to start and be in that top eight. And I just I think they're going to do it. It sounds like they listen. They have they have if they get a couple of these guys back, if they get Sherman and McNeil back, excuse me, McBride and McNeil back, and one of the other Sherman or Colbert, they've got something. They've got a really good team to go around McBride, eventually Cottrell. Um, I think you'll probably see Kedrian Johnson better and maybe more liberated than he was because he'll get more playing time consistently. There's a chance to be top blank, but top something in the in the country and, and a Big 12 contender. Big 12 is going to be really weird situation next year with turnovers in the bench and on the floor too. There's a chance to be really good. And I think if you're going fishing in the portal, you're going to have guys who play. That's why I think it might be hard for guys like Tweet and Njai and Wilson or Johnson to get into that top eight. I think that they're going to go out and actively try to get guys like that because they have they have a number right now that they can, they can use. Uh-huh. Next question, channeling my inner Chevy Chase here. Uh, I was told there would be no math, but TDTB10 comes in with some math for you. I think this is a, a simple math question. Does Bob Huggins get to 1,000 wins as the WVU head basketball coach? Four more years, right? At least. 
right? At least four. I mean, that, that's four if he's averaging 25 wins a year. Yes. You're saying yes. So you're saying, all right, I'm looking here. There has been one stretch since he's been around. Oh, come on. Oh, man, you're doing the research here. Um, yeah. I've, I've, felt more, I've felt more lately that, and I've had people tell me that I have a point here, but the stuff around the game is going to push him out. It's not going to be age or performance. It's going to be like, how happy am I doing this? And would I be happier in Florida? Uh, okay. In the cabin. And I'm, I don't know that he's ever going to make that decision where like, this, this isn't fun. I'd rather do something more fun. But I can just see him being like, enough. Like one day he's just going to be like, eh, I don't really feel like going up and doing this thing in, in Ohio or Georgia or whatever. Just because this kid's not going to be here. He might be here a year or two. Just the current conditions, I think they're way on people like him and so you're right man four years may be tough that's a really good question can he get to a thousand i don't think he's gunning for a thousand i don't think he genuinely cares about that stuff um i think if he got the hall of fame nod that might make a thousand a lot less of an idea in his head but i don't think a thousand means anything to him he's not going to be the winningest coach of all time and does it matter beyond that probably not so oh boy Hit me with that data, because I'm just even seeing you pull up. That's probably a number that hasn't happened very often. A hundred wins in four years. That makes me think this probably isn't going to happen. Then uh, it, it's not that crazy. He's done it twice in West Virginia. Um, the first was his first four years, but that also included the 31 win Final Four team. Uh, the second was from 2014 to 2018 when they went to the Sweet 16 three times in four years. Um, so that that's those are two stretches at West Virginia where he's won 25 games or, you know, 100 games in four years. So it's not unheard of. I'm sticking with yes. But daggone, that's tough. Cause that's it, a good question. Because to me, you're, you're asking me if Bob Huggins is going to be at West Virginia for five years. That, that's all that question is to me. Is, is Bob Huggins going to be at West Virginia for five years? And for all the reasons you just said, I don't think so. Because I think this transfer situation and, and the guys moving on and transferring and doing all this, it's going to get – quote unquote worse before it gets better. And like you said, I think nine hundred meant a heck of a lot to him. I'm not sure if that a thousand is on his mind. Uh at least, you know, not until he gets closer, I guess. And I could see him getting that Hall of Fame nod, you know, a year or now or a year or two from now, sitting at nine hundred and forty wins and being like, all right, that's good. You know, nine hundred and forty and they get to the sweet sixteen or the Elite Eight and then his one of his top players transfers just because, and he's like, nope, that's, that's good. Uh, I'm done now. And, and just, and just be done with it. Mm-hmm. So. so he's guaranteed 31 games every year, right? 30, 32 games every year. He's going to play one in the tournament, the big 12 tournament. And then if his teams are good, he'll continue coaching. So at least 33 games a year, because the NCAA tournament, could he go 25 and eight, four times? And then sometimes above, and maybe sometimes below, because you may have a year that's not quite as good. But eight, six regular season losses. Well, that's tough. Yeah, <laughs> that's tough. Uh, <laughs> I know. And the point, the point that's that, that I made, others have made to me, is that he's he's on these committees now that make rules and and you know shape ideas and legislation, and they're not listening to people like him. Um, the rules are being made that push against their suggestions and their insight and. You get to that point where you're like, hey, man, I have a chance to change some things, and you can't change it. At what point do you just back away from the desk and throw your hands up? You're like, I'm going to get some coffee. All right, moving on to football. Um, we got, obviously, several questions related to this, so we'll kind of, I'm kind of going to lump them together. Um, mostly, anything to be alarmed about with the number of defensive back transfers. You know, Tyke Smith, Drayshon Miller, several guys – uh, or well, I guess it's not a transfer for Vincent Ocoli, but uh, he's no longer on the team. And then other guys that that left back in the fall. Is it coaching changes, position coach, loss of position coach, too much competition, too strict rules, or just fallout from the free year of transfer? Mike, Ooh. take it away. Never one thing. The free year of transfer, I think, affects guys like Miller and and Tyke. Um, yes, a guy like Miller can say, "I lost the year to the sport. I spent." two years in junior college right mm-hmm. um, i got a year back because the ncaa granted us this waiver and i've always wanted to be in the sec i got a chance to go i'm gonna do it um that is a, a factor of the free transfer by the way still not the law of the land 
I think. Yeah, still, I yeah. Wonder, it's I wonder still what kind of place. These, these kids' phones blow up one day and they go, holy crap, I didn't pass that. I think you're going to see them all get a one-time waiver this year, and then they'll try to figure it out. Um, and then a guy like Smith, who who had something um, cinematic, episodic happen in his his career from December, maybe even before then. Again, he's he's friends with Ashim Young, and when they told Ashim Young that they weren't taking him, I don't think you can blame Brown in his first preseason of not taking a guy who had been in some trouble. Um, but I think when you when you start like that with a guy like Tyke Smith, and then things get ruffled a little bit in December. And you try and you try and you try. It comes to a point where the coaches may be trying to discipline or trying to put things his way, and it might just be as simple as, "Hey, you're you're competing with Scotty Young," and that might be the straw on the camel's back, and he can say, "Screw it, I'm really good. I don't have to sit out. I'm going." Absolutely byproduct of the transfer portal. I can see that both being and the immediate eligibility. I can see them both being. The others, listen, you, you have to have a conversation with, them, and let's walk it back. Initially, Kenny Robinson, Derek Pitts, Giovanni Stewart, Quantel Reigns. Or guys in the other staff, and they were seen as collateral damage of the coaching change. You can't say that now. Yeah, and I was just say, I think I think every situation here has been different. There's not what you know. You're not looking at it being like all these guys left, ticked off, and not liking their coach uh, or not liking their position coach or whatever it was. I think each each situation's been different, dating all the way back to the guys you just mentioned, the, the Kenny Robinson. Obviously, that wasn't yeah that wasn't anything the coaches could have done. That was his own fault. Um, and and Derek Pitts, he he chose to leave. That was that was just a, a full on, I guess, disagreement between you know just the two guys, two the staff and him not seeing eye to eye on things. And and then he's gone. Um, it's just a special case who the other staff knew how to deal with him, how to handle him. Um, there are some personal things there they just knew how to deal with because they knew him longer. Gibby, um, Dana, their director of player ops guy Ryan Dorchester, they knew how to deal with him. New staff, it's not going to be that they're not going to afford the same luxuries. And a guy like Pitts is going to say, I don't need this. They transferred. That happens. Yeah. But again, that's learning the you got to know your roster and your personnel. Um, and that, that's tricky there, too. But again, they had a run on safeties who transferred. Maybe they couldn't play, but maybe they didn't like the, the coach. The coach is gone because we heard some of that, that people were not a fan of the coaching staff. Um, Vic's no longer here. Um, Miller, I don't think Miller was in love with the coaching situation. People thought he was going to Georgia, and I laughed. I didn't think he was following a die. I thought he was probably more leaving because of a die and some of the things that he had to go through this past year. Um, I just don't think that those two were, were best friends off the field. So now a die is gone. And I think other players that didn't come back or chose just didn't get along with a die. Well, he's gone now. Now, Akoli, I don't know. Um, Guy never played. I don't think they had any plans for him this spring. He's been gone for weeks. His his name has been off the table, off the board. I have no idea um, exactly what pre- preceded it. But as you pointed out, Chris, when the best recruit in your class is not in any capacity involved in an entire season, when it doesn't count, major red flag. And we asked and asked and asked. And all, was, all we were ever told was, just takes time. He's not quite there yet. He played a lot of receiver in high school. He's not a corner yet. We got better guys. And people bought and he never reappeared, and he's gone. Now, I think you have to have a concern about talent slash roster management. It does you no good to inherit players and to bring players on campus if you can't figure out a way to make it work. I understand you put your culture in place. I understand you can't bend over backwards because then everybody's going to walk over you as a bridge to another outcome. I get that. Got to be flexible. Have to. There's no coach who's been entirely my way or the highway that isn't named you know, Saban or Rockney or Walsh or someone like that, Belichick. Um, I think in college especially, you've, you've really got to be malleable and you've got to find ways to make things work with people. Um, but as it would appear with Smith, there comes a point where you can't do anymore. I'm not saying that Brown isn't flexible. The fact that whatever happened in December happened and he was still on campus and they tried and tried to make it work indicates that Brown did try to make it work. It just didn't work out. And at that point, you say enough's enough. Um Hard. It's never one thing. I do think you're right to say not because of the position and the concentration of players leaving from the defense to the defensive backfield. It's good players and players who can help and players who maybe didn't get as far or went around as long as they want. And you got to get them. Got to get them on campus. Got to keep them on campus. You can't have transfers transfer. You can't have your top recruits transfer. Um, and if that's happening, what's the onboarding process? What are you missing there? So there's got to be some evaluation inside to figure out. Um, hey, this happens everywhere. Doesn't mean it has to happen in my program. How do I fix this and make it better? This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. 
Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Yeah, uh, there are a couple ones that, that I raise my eyebrows to um, for the reasons you mentioned there. But like, like I said, each, each situation is different. You go back and you look at him. Kenny Robinson, that's his own fault. WV didn't have a choice. He couldn't stay there. Um, it, Tariq Pitts, he was leaving different difference of opinions. And, and, and as you mentioned, the previous staff knew how to handle Pitts, knew how to have a relationship with him. And we saw Pitts didn't, you know, he transferred to Marshall and he's transferring again. So, you know, you take that for what it's worth. And then you go down the line um, to Corey Turner. Uh, we heard that he left to go home in the summer and just never came back. And that was that. And okay, Davian Mayo, uh, he got passed on the depth chart by somebody younger than him almost immediately. And that that's going to happen. You know, when you get passed on the depth chart by somebody that's younger than you, the, the writing's almost on the wall. I think maybe that's a little too early to be jumping ship as a redshirt freshman. But when a true freshman's jumping you or or new guys are jumping you, that's not a good sign. The the Drayshon Miller thing is was a pretty darn startling to me. Um, but we've discussed that at length on here about how, you know, he, he had a rough, he had three, four coaching changes, uh, all these differences. And, and then, you know, for him to want to go somewhere else, that's fine. You know, you can't really blame him. The Tyke Smith one, I think is the one that the, the being malleable and, and trying to make things work with your star players is really sticks out now. And I think you, you have to do that at a higher level. You may not have had to do that at Troy, but you do have to do that at West Virginia when these guys have other options. And especially now that the one-time transfer rule is coming because of all the guys on this list, all these guys that are transferring, the one guy I think stays if there is no one-time transfer rule is Tyke Smith. As bad as that situation might have been, because if there is no one-time transfer rule, is he really going to go sick? Because he has NFL is on his mind, and he is one year away from the NFL. And so if he's sharing at the situation with no chance to transfer, or if he transfers, he has to sit out. It's stick it out for one year at West Virginia where they've made me an All-American. And he, he admitted this. We, we, we saw it in his interview with Brian Doan, and I've heard he, he will not. He's not going to bad, bad talk to coaching staff because he thinks that this coaching staff at West Virginia put him in the situation that helped make him – an all-American type player. So he, it, it, there doesn't seem to be that much ill will from him towards the coaching staff. So I think if he were presented with this, if there was no one-time transfer rule, and there still isn't, I mean, everybody's expecting it to be, but if that wasn't on the horizon, I think Tyke Smith is still a Mountaineer right now because his options are stick it out for one more year at WVU with whatever issues that he's having, look like an all-American again, go to the NFL, get drafted early. Or transfer, sit out, kind of maybe be forgotten, and then hope that I'm good two years from now and and have to stay in college for an extra year. So I think I think that's one that that that's the one that might not be happening if not for the the changes in rules. Miller would be interesting too because he's he's been junior college, he has NFL dreams, so he probably wants to go the distance to do whatever he has to do. But he's already um, missed a year. Would he want to sit out a year? Um, at, don't believe he graduated yet. That's what I was about to ask you. I didn't know if he graduated or not. He might be so, May. He might be May. Yeah. So perhaps, I don't know. But either way, he doesn't have to worry about it. So listen, sometimes sometimes it happens. Sometimes you get fooled. Um, like, like EJ Brown didn't get on the field here. He's yeah. become a really good player since then. He was an, I believe he was an All-American at uh, Iowa Central. 
Right. And he, he played, again, they played about half a year at Buffalo, but he was a starter and a regular at Buffalo and became, it looks like he's going to be a good player. Um, and then Pitts, Pitts was hard. You know where Pitts ended up, by the way, after Marshall? Was it, did he go to the NC State? Correct. He's back at Tony Gibson. So again, yeah. like you just, you, you know, talent and you know how to handle talent and it's tough. But um, I, I just think that, listen, coaches, I understand they want it their way and they have to, especially if you're new and Brown is still somewhat new. He's got that new coach smell to him, so to speak. Uh, just a whiff of it now. It's not a, it's not an overpowering stench, uh, but he, he can't, you, you don't completely change things. You don't change your stripes or your spots. They fade. So players don't notice it as quickly. Um, so I think you can see him adapt a little bit because it's absolutely part of this now. Like you cannot be hard and fast and treat everybody the same in general in college football or college sports. You can't, you don't, you don't treat Jack Allison the same as Will Greer crazy, but <laughs> you're going to have to make exceptions now because you're going to have to worry about players like that. Players are to some extent going to be going to be running things a little bit and they're going to try to push things. I'm sure. And they'll, they'll gauge the pushback and if they get pushed back too far. They're going to backpedal into the portal. It's going to happen. So you got to be careful with it. It's an inevitability. It's not, that's why coaches don't like it. They got to, they got to do things that they're not comfortable doing and they don't want to admit it yet. Or at least say the quiet part out loud, but that's coming for sure. Um, and, and just to kind of be clear on something I said earlier, we both said, we don't know how malleable, Neil Brown was with Tyke Eastman. Maybe he was. Maybe he did almost bend over backwards and it still didn't work out. We don't know what the ultimate, you know, kind of compromise or offer was there or, or however they tried to work it out and it just didn't work. But again, I've, I've been told that as much as it's it's pretty obvious that, that they parted ways because both sides were not happy with the relationship, there's at least enough respect on Smith's end for this coaching staff that he won't say anything bad about it. It will not. Um, it, that was made clear to me that that he was just not going to delve into that and was very um, thankful for how they had helped develop him and, and kind of showcased him as an All-American type player. So there is something positive there that that he feels that confident about this coaching staff. Um, Penn State for him? I don't know. It's the Penn State thing. That was the first when we were talking about this back on New Year's. Uh, and, and that, that audio clip that, that we shared of us talking about, uh, I believe you, you phrased it as the, the Tyke Smith storyline this offseason was coming. Um, the first thing I heard was Penn State's interested. What's going on? And it, it is funny. I think somebody, uh, you know, made up a fake quote in the, in the thread of his, uh, his interview the other day of, you know, yeah. yeah, like a Penn State. I, I wanted to go to Penn State in high school, but they didn't want me. They thought I was too small, thought I was terrible. And West Virginia made me an All-American, so I'm leaving West Virginia to go to Penn State. And that's kind of the situation. I mean, that's not what he actually said, but it's kind of what he's doing. Because, yeah, Penn State told him, you're too small, and we don't want you, and we don't think you're going to be good. Because he wanted to go to Penn State out of high school. And they just flat out told him no. And, and it's the same daggone coaching staff. It's not like it's a new coaching staff up there. That's telling him something different. Um, but now that West Virginia's developed him and made him an All-American, uh, Penn State's re- right there, ready to take him, I think. And uh, But it, it, obviously he's getting suitors from everywhere. I've heard Georgia, Alabama, South Carolina, Penn State, uh, pretty much everywhere. So but Penn Auburn State wouldn't too. surprise me. Watch Auburn again, too. Here. Oh, boy. Yeah. Oh, boy. All right. Well, related to this this question here, this discussion about DBs, from Magilla 75 or Magilla, I guess. Uh, name your starting five defensive backs, Mike. All right. Mahone, mm-hmm. Adai, mm-hmm. Fortune. Okay. I don't think the cornerback is on the roster. Mm-hmm. And I think that my, my, this is a hunch here, my projection. I think that they like the idea of Matthews being able to play spear or safety more than corner. I don't think Porter's ready to play corner yet. So I think they'll go outside to get corner. Um, I think it's going to be Young or Matthews in, in a timeshare at Spear. And they're two different players. I think Young is more of a safety playing, that, that is more of a safety body in the corner ish position there. And he might be better against the runner in the box, against a team that runs the ball, goes heavy. Better against an Army, for example, than uh, Oklahoma. Matthews. The fact that they're talking about how he can swing in and play and they can just use the edge differently with him. He doesn't have to set the edge like perhaps Young can and Smith definitely could. Um, 
makes me think that they're thinking about Matthews. And I think they thought about Matthews as a nickelback safety last year and probably couldn't afford to pull him off of the corner. Maybe Porter's closer and, and does that. Um, if they can get if they get a corner, I think that's your answer about what they're going to try to do with Matthews. If they can't get a corner and they end up with a safety who can play Spear, that may also be their answer for Matthews. But if you're asking me today, um, Miller, transfer at corner, and then Young slash Matthews at Spear, a die and Mahone behind him. Follow-up question from user handsome Chris Anderson 75 uh, <laughs> What are they doing with Kerry Martin? He knows how to play free safety. That's a, I, I mean, I'm asking you this because, or, or this, this user with the great username is asking this because Gary Martin tried out at cornerback when he was first came up to camp at West Virginia. Uh, they recruited him according to him, the previous staff as somebody that could play corner or safety. They, they weren't sure they wanted to see him. You're not playing offense in college. Right. And, and then when he arrived on campus, they said, you know, we'll try a corner or safety. And then he got on campus. They immediately moved him to safety, but is that even remotely a possibility? I, I that's tough. I, I don't know where he fits. And I mean, corner is the obvious biggest need. But are you willing to move Kerry Martin or Alonzo Adai? I mean, that's what he started at corner. I don't think you can move Adai, especially with the way he played at free safety and and his knowledge back there now as a senior. Um, but is there anybody you see or did you see when you were practicing the other day? That, that kind of moved to that spot or might be able to slide over there? I, I don't think Martin's big enough to play the spear, right? He's 6'1", maybe, 185, 195. Um, he could, maybe. Um, I think that they just, let's be honest, one, it's hard to get answers about Kerry Martin, right? That's mm-hmm. not a name that people want to hear pop up very much because there, there is some hot stove there where you don't want to touch it too much, right? So I don't know if there's not a lot about him. And the fact is he's practiced three times in the last year. I don't know what they could possibly think about him yet. That's probably one to to revisit, I would think. Um, I I think that he's probably uh, free as free can get in this defense, you know, because they like that guy who could be a corner and run around and and in the end of the edge of the defensive backfield. Like Josh Norwood kind of opened our eyes to that, where he could have corner skills and be a free safety. Um, A a guy is a corner who plays free safety. Martin has corner skills and and can play free safety. A lot for me to think that he's going to be a factor at cornerback. Um, I don't know the translation of his skills or, or the way he plays to play Spear. I can just see him being a cat, um, cat slash free. That would be my guess there. Um, hmm. And I don't think Wilson Lamp or Malinger are going to be ready. No. They look, think, uh, they look like they're athletic kids. But they're both look like they're skinny. Are we going to get a full uh, fall camp talk of Daryl Porter? And then not see him again, or do we think we can see him on the field this year? People are writing down that he was getting reps with the ones the other day, <laughs> and I was like, guys, there's only three corners. <laughs> he almost has to get reps with ones half the time. Don't worry about it. Figure it out. We've already been down this road with him. Let's see him on the field first. Yeah, very talented player. Very, you know, good genes. Very talented. True freshman last year, and you, I, I don't know how or why everybody, you know, kind of bought hook, line, and sinker on the, on the, the preseason talk on him. Not, not Again, not that I don't think he's going to be a good player. I think he's going to can be a great player. But it's hard for true freshmen to play a lot of positions, and cornerback is one of them. So um, we'll see how he's developed. I log into Robin Hood every day and check my Daryl Porter Jr. stuff. <laughs> okay? I own a lot of it. Yes. And even I'm just like, well – Let's see what the analysts say about this. Is it bull? Is it bear? Let's see. And then who knows? We'll, we'll see. The fact that he, he, I think he was on five defensive snaps that were pass plays last year. Um, maybe that's something about the offense because <laughs> the offense had trouble last year completing passes. Maybe he just picked on a bad offense in the in camp. We'll see. I, I just think he's got pedigree and potential, but I just think that it's not quite there yet. And again, if they get a corner in the portal, that's going to answer a lot of questions. If they get a guy who's a nickelback, that'll answer a lot of questions too. This may be related to what we're discussing right here. Um, can you give this from Carolina Mountaineer too? Who's your under-the-radar player on offense and defense? Somebody that is not being mentioned but could have a breakout year. Two on offense. Um, are, we, are we talking about Jordan White? Not enough. I, I think he's 
uh, eligible for this answer. So okay. yeah, go ahead. I like that. I just think I just watched him, and I don't know. They're they're just they're hitting dummies, and they're they're just kind of popping each other, and they're not wearing pads. So to me, like everybody looks good in that situation. But you just watch him do some agility stuff, and, and he's big and moved and looks like a guard, and that that would solve some problems because they got to figure out who goes right tackle, right guard. Um, I liked him. I liked what I saw, and I I, I enjoyed watching Sam Brown run and catch passes. Um, I I was again. That's another Robin Hood guy for me. I thought he was going to be really good last year. I thought they would find ways to get him the ball in different capacities. Could he be a running back? Could he run jet sweeps? Could he run in the slot? Could he run out wide? He plays a lot in the first game and vanishes. Don't know what happened. Something obviously happened. That's a guy who was like being described as some guys don't practice very well, but when you when they turn the lights on, they play really well. And he played really well in the first game. They had no choice but to play him that game. And then I guess the whole like guys don't like to practice thing maybe wore on the coaches. But I just think that guy's got juice, and they're going to have to find a guy who can who can give him some juice on offense. Defense is different just because we know so many of the names, and the people we don't know are are kind of – it's hard to figure out because we haven't seen a lot of them because they concentrated so many snaps in people. So that, that one's harder for me. I did just notice immediately, and this will answer another question, Jordan Jefferson's enormous. There we go. That guy's just enormous, um, and I just didn't—I didn't see him do anything that that made me say, "Yep, that's your starting nose." I don't think he's going to start. Uh, by all sounds, they're going to start. They're going to play like what they're calling two defensive tackles, and just one's going to happen to be in the middle. But I just look at that guy, and I'm like, he's—he's he's got the 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 body for it and the potential for it. There should be something there that can make it work. Is that your first guy off the bus? Would be for me. Um, and then to see your first guy in the game, I don't know, but it comes a time where a guy like him, and he was young and in a weird situation where it's. Obviously, it's going to be different. It's going to be hard for a guy like him. Um, and then defensively, like, I don't know. I, I like Gyro. I just, that's a guy that they, they kind of penciled in as a cornerback to maybe spear, but he looked like a guy who could play Will sooner or later. I don't know where he's going to be in, in six practices, never mind six months from now, but he's big. He moves that Will. He could be more of like a nickel body playing Will. Um, I think that's kind of like maybe the future of that position, especially if you're going to do like that. They want to play like six defensive backs. Well, what if Gyro is one of your defensive backs? Still a linebacker, still plays Will. You can put Chandler in the middle. Got a linebacker who can run around. Um, that's something I would keep an eye on there. That may be an answer in a couple of weeks or a couple of months. Now we're like, hey, that was a good experiment. Um, but again, defense is hard because we know so many things about so many people, and we're not talking about other people because we don't know about them yet. Does that make sense? It does. I I was tempted on defense. I, I like the Jordan Jefferson thing because I, I I took note of you taking note of his size, of him sticking out like that, and it just it, it screams his situation kind of just screams somebody that has an opportunity now. He was so young, so full of potential when he first got to campus. I remember Jordan Leslie talking about how how long his arms were, how strong he was, and how he was only 17 years old, I think. You know, he was he was young for his grade. And then it's like he kind of got forgotten because he didn't start. And it was like, hello, he didn't start. And the guy in front of him was an All-American, a consensus All-American. Uh, he got that one start because I guess Darius got in trouble that right before the game or whatever, um, you know, late for practice or whatever it was. But he is somebody that now that that path has cleared up a little bit. You mentioned that the, the two defense tackles kind of got that vibes when they were talking about it, uh, talking about a lot of guys and, and not Jordan Jefferson. But I think if they do go try to get that more true nose look, that he could be somebody that could, again, like kind of just pop back up on the radar and be somebody that get, gets some reps. Um, somebody else on defense, and it, he's probably too good for to really count for this, but x free low. Like, it's almost like he's forgotten because he's just been a perpetual kind of second stringer that plays a good bit. But I think, you know, he is somebody that, when given the opportunity, has played very well. And this might be his best opportunity to be a true starter. Uh, them them admitting that they were giving uh, Chandler Semedo more time at, at the mic he's already. Right. He's the he, he, yeah, I, I, it, it is screaming Chandler Semedo at Mike and X low at will to me. Um, and, and I could see him, you know, obviously Lance Dixon's going to come in, but, but X low has, has a whole spring to try to in, you know, secure this job or, or get a nice big lead on it before fall camp. And he is somebody that I think could really be, you know, all of a sudden you're looking at it in 
the end of November, and he's got 70 tackles for this team. And you're like, man, where did that was? Wait, linebacker's a okay spot now. We we're all worried, and kind of ended up okay. So again, I, maybe he thought he's talked about too much to be under the radar, but he's somebody that I'm looking to have a big season. Watch Lynn Carr too, um, and Torres Simmons. Like they, they made Simmons an end because I think they, I mean, they have edge players too, but they made him an end. Um, and I've just heard some things about Carr. They like the way that Carr is moving, and he played. He played a bit last season and gone into games and made some plays. And for a guy who's 6'2", 240, and they're playing him at like an end or a bandit, there's there's something there. There's a motor there, a skill that, that, that they really like, too. And um, haven't talked about him, haven't heard a lot about him, but there are whispers about a guy like that, what he might be able to do with a full a full offseason, you know, a winter and a spring before a fall. Mike, we got some breaking news while we were on the podcast. You're kidding. <laughs> uh, kind of, not really. But uh, Kaiser... Gondrazic, star guard for the women's basketball team, not going for another year. You know, NCAA giving everybody another year uh, and will go to the WNBA draft. Uh, 20 points per game. Just tweeted it out while we were recording this. Uh, pretty darn good player. Googler. Um, great story. Yeah, really great story. Great player. Uh, I'm certain we'll get drafted. Um, they just announced the other day. I am forgetting her name as I'm talking, but that Mike Carey's adding another um, big time Thanks, guard. Oh, I got, and I've got another very interesting email right here. Um, Ariana Gray. She's about a 13, 14 point per game scorer for her. Yeah. At Xavier. So that, that might be the replacement there, but yeah, I got another interesting uh, email that, that I was going to look up uh, her name and got an interesting email here that we might have to have a, Post uh, post podcast talk about, and we might have a story coming in the next couple of days on on some. I think one of the questions in the mailbag was, "When are we going to get some good news?" Maybe this week. I don't Maybe have this, this email week. or text. <laughs> ha. Yeah. No, I can't believe you scooped me on this. Now I'm mad. I thought I had yeah. you with the O'Coley story. Yeah, we're good. We're good. This is this is recruiting. This is this is. Oh. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I forgot. You got your recruiting card now. So emanated in my wallet. <laughs> hey, keep it handy. We might need it this June. Possibly. Possibly. Uh, Mike, anything else from the from the mailbag you you desperately wanted to touch on on the pod? Yeah, there's a really good question up at the top here. I want to make sure I get the person's name. Um, eighty three, eighty nine grad. What color is the handbag we all seem to be going to hell in? <laughs> It's not that bad. Come on, these are these are somewhat natural, somewhat indigenous. I get that, but it's never, it's never always, it's never going to rain the entire day, right? And if it yeah. is, it's not going to rain the whole week. And if it is, well, it doesn't rain in the winter. It snows, right? So it's a uh, a little bit different too. Uh, one anecdote before we go, and this is why it's important to be at practice, and why it's important to be at games, and why your eyes are always there. Um, West Virginia for a period of time did have L. Bartleston. On the yes. roster, Chris, fill people in. Who is L. Bartleston? So he was a big time recruit from was it 2020 uh, class, I believe, and was signed to go to Notre Dame. Not, not only committed, but signed, and then had gotten into some off the field trouble. Notre Dame parted ways with him, uh, and then he kind of just disappeared off the place of uh, you know face of the planet. Like at least as far as like social media and everything is concerned, he deleted all that stuff, disappeared. No one seemed to know where he was. And then somebody on our board posted a picture from a, another outlet that was labeled um, Landon Bartleston makes a catch during practice. I said, excuse me? Yeah, right. <laughs> um, messaged you about it. We looked into it. Uh, you made note on the board, smartly, of the changes in or the, the mistake on the roster that was given to the media. Right, so here's what happened. Here. Here's what yeah. happened. This is why it's good. Um, L. Bartleston is Daniel Lynn, Landon Bartleston um, from Danville, Kentucky, Boyle County High. That's Neil Brown's spot, right? First, first offer he ever gave out. He gave out a, a, an offer the same day to Bartleston, Reese Smith, and the was it the quarterback that went there all in the same day. It was like he, the first day he got hired. He was just in a he was in a hot spot in Danville and just firing off texts to people. I think that day. Yeah. 
playing some playing some like blackjack and texting with the other hand, just firing off like I'll press the guys from Danville in the surrounding area. Anyways, um, wants and wants and doesn't get him. He goes to Notre Dame, gets arrested, charged with uh, burglary, criminal mischief, receiving stolen goods. Notre Dame says thanks, but no thanks. You know they have their code, can't go in there. Disappears. Um, another outlet has a photo, blue jersey, thirty three. So the person who was putting the captions in for that photo goes to the practice roster they gave us. Thirty three is L. Bartleson, Landon Bartleson. It's not. 33 is Jairo Favoris. Jairo Favoris. Um, I watched him all practice, like, and he worked with the, the Will linebackers and the linebackers all day. He was not with the safeties. He was not with the cornerbacks. He was with the Wills and the linebackers. So when Chris tells me, what do you know about L. Bartleson? I'm like, there's no way that guy was at practice. He is actually number 34. What they had done was they had somehow goofed up the roster numbers. So, for example, Daryl Porter was number three on the roster. He's number two. Jackie Matthews is four on the roster. He's number three. Um, Alonzo Adai was five. He's actually number four. Every number was off by one. So L. Bartleson is 34, but he is somehow relayed as 33 because it's all off by one. So Jaido is misidentified as L. Bartleson. That photo gets onto our board because we have this great thing now since we don't get a lot of access to practice last year. We all start dissecting photos and videos and trying to figure out who's playing guard, who's playing tackle. Is this guy a mic or a bandit? You know, what's the pecking order on the offensive line? You can tell all those things in the videos and the photos that they give you. All of a sudden, that the fact they have this really highly tatted recruit from just two years ago, who, by the way, has a somewhat checkered pass that may be resolved, may not. He's on campus. We find out he was on campus all last year. The university says, actually, he was on the team last year. He walked on. We had no idea. He was never on the roster. He was never on a travel roster. He never played. So we report, hey, Landon Bartleson is actually on the team this spring. Also at practice on Saturday, we did not see David Vincent O'Coley. We reported it that he wasn't there. He wasn't on the spring roster they gave us, and no one had an explanation, just that he was on the team. So when they call me yesterday to say, actually, L. Bartleson is not on the team, that's no longer accurate. We need to give you updated information. And by the way, David Vincent O'Coley is gone. Lesson, <laughs> you have to be at practice. This is why they don't want to let us in, I'm sure. Um, but you have to know who's on the team and who's playing. And it's not just like who's your right tackle and who's your backup right guard. It's it's who's on the team, who's on campus, who's playing. If L. Bartleson is on the team, listen, that's a story. It doesn't mean his life is over because he got arrested. It means he got a chance and he's doing something. Unfortunately, right now, because of a misidentified photo, we start asking questions. We find out he was on the team and he wasn't. And when you wonder what happened, did he try to give it a shot and it didn't work? Did he try to give it a shot and he doesn't want to play football anymore? Uh, did he break his ankle and he's out for the year? And who knows, right? Maybe he's just studying medicine. Don't know. But th there's this thing about, do you want the media at practice? Do you not want the media at practice? I don't know if we struck a blow for or against, but it really helps to be at practice again. It was good to be back Saturday and hopefully we don't screw this up for everybody. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I'm not going to say that they were trying to hide the fact that he was on the team, but no announcement, never dressed, never traveled, not on the official roster. Huh? Who? What? No? I don't know. I, now, it's possible that this kid had a bad thing happen to him, and Brown says, you're my homeboy. Come here, under the radar, get your life pad together for a year, and practice with us. If it's a spot for you next year, it's a spot. If you want to go yeah. somewhere else, you, you want to go. It's possible. Who knows? I, I'd love to ask that question. We're never going to get the question or the answer. I know that. But who knows? They might have done him a solid and just tried to give him a chance to make it work. And maybe it did. And he said no thanks. And he went on somewhere else. Maybe he's hurt. Maybe he stepped out of line. Don't know. Um, I can understand why they didn't turn a spotlight on this. It might have been a deal. Like, hey, just come in. We'll make it quiet. No big deal. You're not playing this year. We're not going to turn not going to turn everybody against you or for you or whatever. It, it could be something like that. But it also could have been something they share with us. But I don't well, think anybody's going to be upset if they do that for him. No, and let's tie it into the the way this this podcast started with the Ashim Young situation. For those that don't know, it was it was similar. He was supposed to go to Penn State, got in trouble off the field, and the previous coaching staff at West Virginia essentially had that deal with him that that you're just describing of, "Hey, you come to West Virginia, enroll early, you're not going to sign, we're not going to announce it, we're not going to do anything crazy." Um and it, you make your way through spring ball, don't get in trouble, you know, stay on the straight and narrow, get good grades. We'll see where it goes from there. And that was the plan until the previous coaching staff left. And then the new coaching staff came in and said, no, thanks. 
And the reason they said no thanks, and the reason it, this is like the same situation but reversed, uh, is that the previous coaching staff had two, three years of getting to know Ashim Young, getting to know what he's like as a person, what he was like as a student, what he was like as a player, and being able to decide, hey, we think that you know his off the field troubles was you know the exception. You know that that's not him. That this is more him. That we know him and we feel comfortable taking him. And then the new coaching staff came in and said, "We've never talked to this guy. We have no clue." So you can't blame him for saying no on that. And that's why Ashim Young ended up at Iowa State with former safeties coach Matt Capone. Um, and then you coming over to the Bartleson situation. This is why the new this staff was willing to kind of you know give him this shot. However, it's going. Whatever the situation is in whole. They've been recruiting him for two years. He went to the high school that that Neil Brown went to. Neil Brown knows everybody around there, knows all the families, knows all the the community, and they got to know him. They got to see him. They said, you know, we think what you did was was a big mistake, but we don't think that's you. Let's give it a shot. And and, and again, that's that's why you build relationships. That's why you do the recruiting. That's why you get to know people, and and you get to make those decisions and. So there's the, I was going to say me, me talking about them, you know, hiding it, it, there's no, there shouldn't be any shame in that. If you get to know a guy that, that, that for two to three years that you feel comfortable recruiting and doing all that stuff, that's your prerogative. That's why you do that research. That's why you build that relationship. Uh, But as you said, I think we struck a blow for why media should be allowed in um, to, to, to get fans, you know, fans. I, I said it the other day to anybody that, enjoys the coverage and the information we're bringing make sure you voice your opinion about how we should be at practices and stuff because uh, we'd hate to see that disappear you might not be getting a lot of the information you're getting right here no uh one on thursday i'm not allowed there <laughs> i'll be in i'll be in charles in south carolina we'll have someone there so perhaps yeah not. we'll be there we'll have updates we'll have video neil brown is I, I i guess it'll be neil brown afterwards you know i think the the original practice there the original media plan uh we've already deviated from it a little bit so um, not, not in a bad way, just, you know, sometimes it's been coordinators this day, Neil Brown another day and they flip-flopped them. So currently it's listed as Neil Brown after that practice. We'll see which way it goes, but yeah, we'll have coverage. We deviated because Brown wanted to address the Tyke Smith situation. And by the way, he did, um, yep. did not dare anybody to ask him a question about it. Did not erupt or reject the question. He brought it up. I think gave about as reasonable an explanation as you can, um, and he's not going to badmouth the kid. Maybe they had a handshake deal. You don't trash me, I don't trash you. We don't like each other, but let's go our separate ways. Maybe there is something that's generally generally respected between the two. Who knows? Um, but transparency is cool because it keeps you from prying sometimes as well, too. And I think sometimes you can say mutual separation. He had two good years here. We're thankful for it. And the player goes out and says something similar. Hey, I had a great time there. They made me an All-American. Didn't work out. Hey, sometimes people get divorced and they, they still get along, too. Well, we've made it an hour and 10 minutes and answered four questions, just like we usually do on the mailbag. So if you had uh, one of the other questions uh, that were submitted, do not worry. I'll be answering them in written form. Uh, We'll most likely have it up later today, if not, uh, assuming later today, um, assuming, you know, eight different pieces of breaking news don't come out between now and then, like it does every other time we podcast. Otherwise, it'll be up tomorrow morning. But um, look for that later today. Well, Chris, I'm going to press stop record, but I'm not going to hang up because we have to talk, don't we? Uh, Maybe. I think so. Well, until the next time we do this, Chris, plenty will happen in between then and now, I'm sure. But I'm Mike Kazazov. And I'm Chris Anderson. Talk to you later.